you know, a lot of people get upset at me because I call riding motorcycles working. You know, it's a job. It's how I get all this uh, experience to be able to explain in-depth questions. And on today's show, we're going to get into keeping warm while riding in cold weather, predicting the future of motorcycle suspension. We talk a lot about the KTM 350, power and gearing and how that works, as well as Chris Reel calls in to tell us about the dilemmas of running winter fuel during the summer. And it's a problem that we're all seeming to have these days. This show, and specifically this podcast, would not be possible without the support of a company like Recluse. So Recluse makes high-performance motorcycle clutches, both manual and their famous auto clutch, for street bikes, adventure bikes, cruisers, dirt bikes. You can use them in pretty much any type of motorcycle, and you're going to get improved performance. I've been running them in a lot of my bikes, mostly the auto clutches, but I've also tested the torque drive manual setups and their plates are different. They're, they make thinner plates, so you can actually, in the same clutch pack, pack in more plates, which adds friction and higher performance. So if you are interested in learning more about Recluse clutches, check out www.recluse.com. That's spelled R-E-K-L-U-S-E. And thanks again to Recluse for bringing you this show. Okay, I'm going to start the show on time because it is 7 o'clock. Logan, what do we say at 7 o'clock? Welcome to Tech Talk. Taco Tuesday. Tuesday. It's the show where we... Talk about motorcycle and motorcycle-related comments. Comments. That's right. Motorcycle-related comments, as well as products. That was pretty good. You're, you're, you're going to be that voiceover guy pretty soon. You're gonna hear Logan's voice. We're gonna we're gonna tune a little bit with one of those voice matron things. Actually, I know I kind of know how to do that. So Logan, um, why don't you? Because uh, <laughs> we practice everything and get everything going here. By the way, this show is brought to you by. That's where you do that other thing. You grab this. Who's it brought to you by? DDC Delaney Drive Components. Right. These are sprockets that are made of steel. Uh, stainless steel. They are uh, really good for your dirt bike. They last a long time. They're lightweight for how durable they are, and they are awesome. So uh, ddcracing.net, if you need to make sure that your bike uh, can handle the horsepower of possibly a Husaberg 570. Um, Also helping us out in the show is Takomoto, and I got my uh, cable so I can program my motorcycle and make it better for Jimmy. Because I just jimmy rig everything. That's uh, that's coming along. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, yeah. I don't like to say that word out loud because it's a good club with a bad name. But uh, en- enjoy the uh, pain. Hey, uh, check out uh, uh, Jerry Bernardo, JB Black on Facebook if you need an awesome graphic design. Uh, something like uh, this. Actually, that's a limited edition shirt that you can't get anymore. I would wear that shirt on this show, except on the front it just has the little logo, and on the back it's that. And I think that looks cool because I agree with the saying. What is the saying, Logan? Ride dirt, eat pizza, live forever. Exactly. What could be better in life than, than doing that? Even if there's coronavirus going around, you're going to survive if you ride dirt, eat pizza, 
and live forever. Forever. So, um, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, who else did I miss out on the sponsors? On the sponsor climb. climb. How could I forget that? Probably because I'm wearing a climb beanie because my head gets cold. And uh, so, climb is always been uh, helping out dirt bike tests from the beginning, which is super awesome because I love wearing climb gear. It's the most durable gear. Logan even wears climb gear sometimes, don't you? No. No? Why not? Why don't you wear climb gear? Because I haven't given you any? Yeah. Because you don't think it looks cool? No. No? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, we'll get you in climb gear one of these days. One of the days you'll grow up and you'll realize how important it is to you know use technical layers like they make. You know how when we're out riding and it's freezing cold and I'm like all comfortable and you say, I'm fine. No, I'm cool. And what do you do? And you're like shivering. I don't, yeah. have, I don't have that problem. That's old age and treachery just torturing the youth. But it's because I have really good climb gear. And if um, if it's it's in between the seasons, it's tricky to dress right now. But if you need to dress properly and uh, use the intermediate layers that climb makes, that pullover that I did that's up on the tight on dirtbiketest.com, the power cross pullover is my it's my personal product of the year from like last year till now. So you can read about that. Also up on dirtbiketest.com. Uh, actually, go to the Facebook page because this is not on the website. But it, And the Facebook page, which you're kind of on if you're watching this show or if you're watching it on YouTube or listening to the podcast, you might have to search back a little bit. But check out what Scott Hoffman made today. Like, I, I don't know if I necessarily approve of this. <laughs> But he, he wants to clear some of his mountain bike trails because he's getting, like, scratchies on his legs or whatever. So he, he welded basically essentially knife blades on the side of his fork lowers. And so at about at about 12 inches up, he's got, like, a 6-inch long-looking knife blade thing that sticks out off the side. And it's evidently supposed to slice the weeds down to give you a little more clearance on the side. Lots of interesting comments on that, which most of them are well-deserved. Uh, but, um, yeah, that, that's up there. Hey, we posted up um, kind of a little video series that a friend of mine, Phil Walker, did on how to make a rally roadbook. So if you have any interest in rally, how these guys navigate, um, what it takes to make a roadbook, uh, it's a pretty cool video series to kind of give you the tools and the stuff that you would want to, uh, if you wanted to go make a roadbook, which actually adds a whole interesting dynamic and dimension to just going riding your dirt bike. Logan, you, you're going to ride a dirt bike with a rally road book on anytime soon? I hope. You hope? Yeah. You want to make one? Yeah. I have all the tools here. You can watch that video series. That's your homework assignment for tonight. All or, right. you know, whenever you have time between all those, that massive amount of homeschooling you're doing. Watch that video series and, you know, when, when you get bored, then go back and watch it again. And it'll probably take a few tries, but... Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Uh, and what else? What else is up there? Um, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, breaking news on dirtbiketest.com. Although I already saw somebody blew the embargo. Uh, there, there is a bike that might be maybe a KTM 390, and there's a full video test that will be up on dirt bike test uh, first thing in the morning. So probably on our YouTube channel and all the places. So, um, yes, check that out. And, uh, and then compare it to the other tests that people do, because we actually took some time to do this one, right. And, um, 
We'll see how that goes. Before we started the show, someone, Mark DeShane, mentioned that uh, he was glad that coronavirus was going to give us some more viewers. He was thanking coronavirus for the success of our show. Thought that was uh, that was pretty awesome. Um, have a lot of our regulars in here. Uh, Victor is on here. He wanted to know how the trail mowing was going with the bike. Victor, I had nothing to do with that. I think you and Scott might get along. Uh, <laughs> you're, uh, yeah, <laughs> the Victor would get all excited about something like that for sure. Um, yes, and well, else. So later on in the show, this is pretty cool. Um, Chris Rial, who is our petroleum engineer, friend of the show, um, uh, motorcycle sound testing guru, sound testing guru in general, uh, Chris Real. I should have said I said Real, Real. Chris Real will, I'm going to call him and he's going to tell you why the coronavirus is bad for your dirt bike. He, he has proof and evidence because he, he always does. So that is a, that's a, that's a good one. We'll probably do him about, um, halfway into the show. And, um, uh, and Matt Mattoon called in. He's stuck in the uh, Zoom meeting where he's probably tutoring young influential kids like Logan uh, that are missing out on school. So uh, good for you, Matt. Um, that is better than sitting here and having to listen to me babble, right, Logan? No. No. Uh, oh, you don't want to go to Zoom school? No. No? You? Do you want to go riding dirt bikes? Yes. Tomorrow? Yeah. With me? I know you can't, but you, you, yeah. you, yeah, really? You, you learned from last weekend, last week, because I beat you up a little bit yeah. for saying no to wet dirt. <laughs> yeah. You know what I rode on a, on Saturday, Logan? Guess what bike I rode? Husky? No. Oh. Like it, it, it rained a little bit. The dirt was wet. There was a lot of traction. Hoosberg. Oh, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's see. Uh, <laughs> just checking out the comments. Hey, what is our? Uh, what was our first? Our first question. I, I put the first one on there because I wanted to get to it quick. I told the guy I wouldn't. I would. I would answer his question early so he didn't have to hang out for all our useless banter. <laughs> Eric. Eric. What does Eric want to know? Okay, I will ask a legitimate question. Just adding more fork oil made them stiffer, and why? What increments, 5cc or 10cc, should I add at a time and just the comparison side or also the rebound? Oh, compression side or also the rebound. I have already changed the springs for my weight and played with the clickers, but they seem too soft in the bottom of the stroke. 2018 FE 350. Thanks for the show. I'll try to follow your advice. So um, he is basically just to decode that. He's asking about adding oil to his forks, what it does, um, which side to add it to. And since he's talking about a FE350, that sounds, and if I'm getting my answers right, that should be an open cartridge WP front fork. But adding oil to forks in kind of most most forks, uh, what you're doing is you are – basically taking up airspace. You're, you're filling, the, the oil is not really compressible. It's like water, you know, water, you can't compress water. Um, oil is the same way. Uh, I don't know the exact of it, but it, it doesn't compress nearly as much as air. So 
you're, you're reducing the air volume inside of the forks by adding oil. So most manuals will give you kind of a minimum and a maximum. And a lot of times that's in CCs or a volumetric, you know, CC measurement. Um, sometimes it's in a, a measurement of fork oil height and, and the manual will generally be very descriptive of how you're supposed to do it. You know, are you supposed to, you know, have it completely compressed with the spring out or, you know, what, how you kind of measure that? Cause I've seen some people, some tuners that I know that actually don't pull the spring out. Cause when you pull the spring out, like oil comes out with it and drips out and you lose some, but they'll actually, you know, put a, put a tool in there and with a, it's like a siphon and they can set the level and they can pour oil and then suck it back out. So if you have the tools and you're taking the forks on and off the bike and there's there's lots of different ways to do it, there's probably the exact proper way to do it. And then there's the way that Jimmy does it, and which is probably, you know, trying to save you some time or do it quick. Uh, and it can all be it can all be measured. What you don't want to do is put too much oil in the fork so that there's not enough um so that it can't compress all the way. So basically hydraulically lock, because not only will it hydraulically lock if you hit it hard enough it may blow your fork seals out which i know people are really scared of blowing out their fork seals but has anybody ever really blown out a fork seal no i well i i have testing i mean it was on it was kind of we maybe knew it was going to happen or we were kind of pushing the limits of what happened so i've seen that happen and i remember do you remember when you were you were told that if you you know, tied your bike down too tight on the, on the, in the truck, it was going to blow the fork seals out. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so, so there's like a safe, there's a safe level that you can, you know, raise your oil level to, but you're probably just riding around the bike and you try to figure out you're riding your bike and you want to know what it does. What it does is it makes the fork more progressive because typically there's enough oil in there, even in an open cartridge fork. So that's always going to keep oil around the 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 valves you know what it needs to do to you know do all of its damping it may cavitate that's what open forks tend to do as opposed to a closed cartridge which is a sealed system the the open cartridge may cavitate a little bit you know with the oil foaming or whatever but it's it's just a little bit less of a kind of quote precise system but the oil that you're adding to you know to to add oil to you know, make them stiffer to make them more progressive or taking the oil out, which you can do as well, is changing the air volume inside of the fork. And so what you want to do is you want to, typically you want to add them to both forks equally. You know, they, they should be equal to begin with. And on the white, the WP, the WP forks specifically, they're set at this, the same level. And it's essentially just kind of control. It's lubricating the stuff in there and controlling the bottoming uh, of the fork making, you know, controlling the progressive nature of the fork. So how do you do it? If you want to make your fork stiffer and have more bottoming resistance, you add oil and he asks how much like five cc's or 10 cc's. I will take a syringe, take the air bleed screw out and pump in five cc's at a time. And most people I would say will start noticing like 10 cc's of change, but you, you have to know where it's you know, where it's at to begin with. So, um, and I don't know on that fork, like how much is five cc's, like, you know, two millimeters of added four coil level or, you know, three. Al, do you know any of this stuff? You ever play with that on yours? No, I, I, I'd never, I do it by feel. And then, I've done it by height. yeah, by height, you check it by height. 
that's how you check it. So I do it by feel by adding, if I want to add oil, I'll do that. And, and I have before taken the fork and poured oil out when I, when there was, when I felt like I wanted, you know, a, you know, more a less progressive feel. I wanted, I wasn't bottoming at all. And I wanted, I've poured oil out in 10 secret, 10 CC increments. And so you add it and take it away. And, and I, I'm making sure I'm not going to do too much and get over like a limit at some point, you know, not putting a ton of, if I'm starting to put too much in there, it's like after I've put like 20 cc's or something in, you know, it's like, I better check this. I need to check the level. Cause usually you get a result and you see where it's going and you're like, I'm happy with it. But when I get it working good, that's when I take it apart and I measure the level. And I know, you know, then I go, okay, I like my oil height at, you know, whatever it is. I think standard is a hundred millimeters. Is it hundred millimeters or 150 millimeters? You know, I, I'm not a, I'm not an exacting encyclopedia guy, but whatever the standard level is on, on those. And I, I want to say, I think standard oil height is somewhere around a um, hundred, but if you're a suspension expert out there and, or you have access to the manual uh, or maybe it's, it's a range of 150 to 130 or whatever, you can put that number, but so when I get it where I like it, then I measure it and I know that's my level. And if I want it a little bit stiffer, I can add a little bit more oil. And if I want a little less, I can take a little bit out. So that's what the oil volume in the fork does. Put the O-ring on the bottom. On the, on the tube, yeah. Oh, so you can see if it's bottoming. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you should feel it bottoming. Yeah, and now the, now the, the new bikes come with that O-ring stock. Yeah, yeah they, they, they put it on there. You know, that's a trick. Actually, what's funny is the ones that they put on stock tend to just kind of shimmy down there on their own. You know, you can pull it up, and if you go right away and check it, it's probably accurate. But did I answer his question, Logan? I think so. You think so? Oh, uh, what about the compression and rebound? What about the adjusters? Yes. Uh, so on that fork in particular, the compression is pretty much – solely the compression it seems like it's only work when the forks are compressing and going down and it doesn't necessarily change the initial feel it's kind of like more the mid mid speed um so not the very initial but you know the kind of has the forks moving most of the time so you can make it stiffer as it goes down the rebound controls how it comes back up so when the fork is extending it controls the speed with it comes back up same thing i feel it's more of a mid speed than a low speed or a, a low to mid speed but never super low speed like a normal or um uh, a kaaba or a showa fork is but the com the rebound affects the compression if you if you start slowing the rebound down you're going to get a little bit additional compression damping in my experience on most of the forks and this changes like you know year to year when they make these little valving changes or they change the the valving design between bike to bike um sometimes it has more effect but typically on the wp stuff the compression is pretty isolated it handles only compression the rebound has an effect in both directions way more on rebound than it does on compression but it does in fact um aid in you know adding compression damping so okay now i answer this question yeah good what's next uh holly oh yeah holly it's you know it, you know when when i get the emails from the girls you know yeah. you know you get the i'm always a little concerned because i know something's funny something's up um hi jimmy it occurs to me that you haven't responded because this isn't your responsibility, what, Griffin. What? What? I haven't responded to a girl? 
Okay, go ahead. It's not my responsibility. Within dirt bike test. Uh huh. If that's the case, apologies for the, the several messages. Could you point me in the right direction? As I'll mentioned pro- before, probably, yeah, probably. As mentioned before, more than 500 com- companies have raised 38 million dollars in working capital via our inventory. Whoa, 38 million. Wait, Holly, I can't believe it. A girl's reaching out to me to offer me 38 million allegedly. Yeah. Okay, keep going. I'm interested. I'm all ears. You can have the money in your hands within 14 days and you only pay back the amount financed as oh, you sell oh, the inventory. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, sell the inventory. Yes. I got it. Okay, keep going. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little lost here, but keep keep reading. We're also 30% cheaper than other alternatives, alternatives such as AR factory-ing slash MCA, etc. Mm-hmm. Best, mm-hmm. Holly. Mm-hmm. No, okay. So Holly was, she was, well, I thought, I, I thought maybe it was a mustache, you know? But now I understand that she was reaching out to the wrong person. Logan, would you like 38 million? I think I, I think you, I was the wrong person. I need to put her in touch with somebody who's maybe better equipped to, you know, handle that level of uh, responsibility and money. So Logan is my new financial, uh, dirt bike test, financial consultant. So maybe you should, I'll get you Holly's email and you can reach back out to her. And you know what, what I want you to do is I want you to go, you, you need to get in touch with Holly, have her send you all the documents and just get the money flowing in and you sign everything. Just don't tell her how old you are. Just keep <laughs> signing away. We're, we're going to be a dirt bike test. It's all the content is going to continue to come for free courtesy of Holly and whatever company she's representing. Uh, God, I thought, I thought it was just another girl that wanted some motorcycle advice, but she's trying to sell us something. I think. We'll get him back, Logan. What's next? Sarah. Uh, <laughs> Sarah? Uh, hi, Dirt Bike Test. You may have seen my previous emails, but I wanted to reach out to you one last time to Wait, have... Does it sound like I'm blowing these chicks off? Because they're just... I mean, you know, you know... Tell you what, Logan, you know, sometimes you go through these dry spells and, like, just girls won't even talk to you, but, like, there's times when they just keep beating down the door... Because they want something from you. Like, I think. I don't know. Go ahead. Keep going. Uh, one of the last times you have, you work with us on a possible collab. I'll, I work for a brand called Blank that creates health and fitness supplements and apparel. Oh. Our goal is to fuel people with the best product possible and inspire them to raise up rise up right we'd love to have you a part of our team oh yeah if if you're down below is the guideline of what we'd be able to offer you you'd get 25 percent off our oh, product for wait, life wait so so life. they're like well they're so so basically i only i only have to pay 75 percent to get it Yes. Oh, well, what's, I mean, I still have to pay to get it, so what's that going to do for me? I don't know. 
So let me give you a little business marketing here, Logan. This works in the motorcycle sponsorship industry too, by the way. Just so you're saying. Um, so instead of like charging me full price, they're going to charge me 75%, and but I still have to buy it. And then they want expect me for that discount to start talking. So, But they're still selling the stuff. It's good. So you, you could say, hey, guess what? I'm sponsored by the blank, you know, the, whatever company is. So I'm, I'm going to put you in charge of the um, – what, what's the like the last line? What does she call it? A, it's a marketing ambassadorship ambassadorship program. So you got it. You got another new job here tonight too. You're not only the financial um, manager, you're the what? It, what does she call it? Ambassador dashboard. Ambassador dashboard. Yes. Oh, you're 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 my new ambassador dashboard. So you handle all of this stuff. You go and uh, you know what? Because I guess we get a cut, right? What's our cut? Ten percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your followers get fifteen percent off of blank. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to read a question off the thing. Kyle McCoy, uh, who finished the Dakar Rally, um, he's beating up on Ricky Breaker. He says, "Speaking of cold, I never got a good response from Brabeck when you asked him how he dealt with the cold. He just said." He froze his ass off. The real question is, did he wear a heated undershirt and swap batteries after the special stage finish? What heated gear, if any, do you wear, Jimmy? No, Ricky answered the question. He doesn't know how to stay warm. He froze his ass off. And I know he froze his ass off because he didn't have, I I don't know. I don't know exactly what he wore if he did some of that battery um, uh, warmth gear. I think he had, I think he had battery gloves. And maybe, I don't know if they had the socks and stuff like that, but what do I wear? Um, Climb, of course. Climb makes the best uh, underlayers, and they have this stuff called, I think it's called Aggressor, and they have 1.0 and 2.0. It's just a, it's a mid-layer or underlayer that that I use, and they have really good socks that, um, uh, you know, so it's a slightly thicker. They have some nice wool socks. It's a company that makes um, snow, you know, snowmobile, snow gear they know about how to keep you warm and they have really good information on layering and stuff like that so that's that's what uh that's what i use but i also like to use some sort of a i have a you know over i I like layers really work well so having a shell and like compact you know tight shells read the power cross pullover um test on dirt bike test watch the video uh there's just ways to kind of like layer up with stuff. I have some heated gear and the problem is I ride so many different bikes. Having the plug on the bike ready to go is a giant pain in the butt. Um, heated grips go a long ways in keeping you warm. If you can keep your hands kind of warm. And uh, when I was riding Dakar, I rode this interesting motorcycle with cylinder sticking out the side. Those things kept your feet warm as well as heating them up when it was a hundred and something degrees outside. So it just kind of depends on pick your poison. So, yeah, um, I will tell Ricky that he can't come back to the show because you didn't like his answer. So you don't blame you, <laughs> Kyle. Hey, good, uh, good, uh, good to see you out there. Um, let's see. Everybody figured out what bike I was riding now. Um, got a, is there another good question there, Logan? On here? Yeah, that's your cue. Um, you know why I like Logan? Why he's the best co-host? Anybody know why he's my favorite co-host? I don't speak. Well, you just did. Why'd you say that? Oh. <laughs> You're coming around. 
<laughs> yeah, let's more time talk about me. Uh, okay, go. Um, Hector. There is a guy in the a video that shows a. This is on the Recluse Explained. Right. Video. Right. And there's a guy that shows a recluse with some rubber parts, all shredded, with just six hours of driving. And I also, I think, is the most advice, advanced any option, but about it. Thanks in advance. Did he apologize for what his native language was or anything like that? Because that didn't sound like English to me. <laughs> but I, I interpreted it. it, it no, it, it doesn't say sorry because I. this is the second time I've written an email in English before or a comment. <laughs> Uh, so he's he's saying that he found an, a, a, a video on the internet about the recluse clutch where a guy managed to shred it or find rubber parts or whatever. So just to make things easier, uh, in the future, people, uh, this I think this was a YouTube video on our thing. If you have a video that you're referring, referring to, if you could put that link in the in the description or the question you're asking so we can at least go review it because – First of all, I know where you can find rubber inside of a KTM engine. It's generally the clutch dampers, which is behind the clutch. Now, if he bought the bike brand new, threw a recluse in it, and in six hours he did that, he's doing something crazy, ridiculous, bad to that motor. But if his bike had 200 hours on it, and I, I don't even know what KTM's um, service intervals on it, but they're, it's not that long on that. That's probably the, on the on the – Bikes that have that, that's probably the, the number one wear item I would keep an eye on is the rubber dampers inside the clutch. Because if you let them get really bad, they, you know, all of a sudden you've got free play in there and they're just not going to do their job. So I'm guessing that's where the, the rubber stuff came from. It doesn't have anything to do with the recluse. That's the dampers not being serviced properly, not being bad. I've seen in there, it's a tight fit when you put that basket back together. Sometimes you actually have to kind of get it pressed back down if you if you don't kind of know some techniques and ways to do it. If it's loose and those things start hammering, they're going to blow up and they're going to go all over the place. Uh, Recluse actually makes a, a – I, I, I can't tell you if it's better. They make a replacement or an upgraded, what they'll call upgraded rubber damper for, the, for, for those th clutches. I have them in a couple of my bikes. I'm using them to try to see if I get more time. My Jimmy's service interval on those is roughly 50 hours. That's when I, after 50 hours, I know they've been in there that long. And then I start paying attention to it. And if your, especially your four stroke starts making a ticky cam chain ish sound, it's not the cam chain. It's the clutch. The reason I know is because I replaced a damn cam chain in a bike because I couldn't find out where the sound was coming from. And it never occurred to me that it was the clutch. And it was. So that's how I know that. Uh, the the pieces of rubber? Yeah. Well the color of the oil. Yeah, oh yeah, well yeah, well when you're when yeah, you can see in the color of the oil when, when things are going bad, but you, you can get pieces. You'll find it in the oil filters, um, if they really start going bad. But I in in my time I've never I've had little tiny pieces come out, but never big pieces and um so I don't know how it's uh exactly related to the recluse or how it's related to the recluse or how that goes. But that's not a, that's not a symptom or condition of putting a recluse in there in 
uh, by any means that I know of. So you have any, anything to add to that, Logan? No. Do you like recluse clutches? I've only ridden them like twice. Right. And they were all on bikes I've never ridden before, mm-hmm. like a KTM 200 and a 450 CRF. They're for old men, right? Just say it. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um, isn't adding through the bleed hole of a closed cartridge fork adding to the oil inner chamber? The bleed hole of a closed cartridge fork is generally adding to the outer chamber, Don. Um, the, if, you, if you opened up the bleed hole, well, if the bleed hole on the on the closed cartridge inside, you usually can't get to that from the outside of the fork. Usually the the openings where you would bleed the air off of your fork um, on, a, on a closed cartridge, you're not entering into the inner cartridge of a closed cartridge. And um, if you're... If you're if you opened up those, typically, um, if the fork's compressed at all, it'll shoot oil out of them. Um, but uh, the you know you can tell if it's a open cartridge, closed cartridge, uh, based on like an open. If you if you open up the air, you know it's like it's an air bleed, but you're adding oil in there, and you 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 add if you push down just a little bit, and oil squirts out. Yeah, that's the closed cartridge because I I have seen factory forks and some kit conversion forks that you can you can get to the inner cartridge from the outside of the fork but that's a unique thing so uh careful with that um victor asks do you think that the future motorcycles would be using smart fluids on suspension so you can change damping conditions on the fly push a button and change the viscosity of the oil uh i think that could happen but before that, you're going to get something similar to you see what you're seeing on some of the high-end UTVs now, which is a um, uh, active active suspension. You're seeing it on cars for a while now, and they're basically going to very quickly control the uh, damping force uh, on the. Uh, so, in, the, in other words, you'd be riding along and you'd be very quickly adjusting the compression and rebound adjuster of the the shock. Uh, if not the ride height, but the variable damping, you know, that's using, whether they usually use magnetic, they use magnetic forces or something to do stuff. I've seen it on cars before. I, I don't know that, that that's uh, right around the corner. I think it would be more of an electronic and there's a lot of motorcycles with electronic suspension, uh, you know, street bikes and, and some of the adventure bikes, but they're usually adjusting just the rebound. And then mostly the ride height is what they adjust. So, what do we got, Logan? What's next on the list? Uh, the KTM 350 test. Yep. Prezo. Prezo. 1975. Can't agree more about the sixth gear being way too low. In recent years, I've had a 450 EXC just sold the 300 TPI, which was... A mistake. My fourth 300 on a 356 day. Al Al wants to buy that bike from him right now. He wished he would have bought it. Now, and I'd have to say it's... 
Rob, Rob, probably the best trail bike I've ever owned, but to get the best out of it, you really have to be prepared to rev it. I'm running 13.52 gearing for absolute punch in the single trails, but the trade-off is it doesn't feel right cruising above 85 kilometers per hour on a open road. Being an Australian. Austrian or Australian? Austrian, right? Mines. Mines. Austrian? Australian? Austrian? So he's riding Erzberg. Erzberg. The radio. The (laughs) the Erzberg. The rally. (laughs) The the hair scrambles. Um, I'm going to, I got to, I got to, I got to stop you because I got to, there's too much information so far. (laughs) As I was processing all that stuff and then I went off and tried to make sound effects and voices. I'm going to use the voice of Matron here in a few minutes, Logan. It's going to be funny. Um, I'm going to have you talk though. Uh, So 350 XC, he, he, he agrees with every, everything we say, like, you know, every, you know, right-minded person should, you know, because like we only tell the truth here with dirt bike test. It's a authoritative motorcycle testing um so you you're you're talking about having a revit and the gearing that he's talking about and he's talking about kilometers 85 kilometers an hour that's like you know not even just like 45 miles an hour he has to rev it out at that gearing what what is gearing he said 12 13 13 i think two 50. is it stock is 14 i believe it's 14 i run 14 50 because out here we're you know higher speeds and stuff like that, but uh, that's that's crazy. We we don't do, and he doesn't give his height you know or his weight his weight specifically. He doesn't say um. Well, he probably tell us in kilos, and then we have to pull out the calculator. And yeah. if you're if you're a heavy dude, the three fifty is definitely not going to have a lot of punch for you. It's and that is the trade off is you're going for this lightweight. And I think he starts talking about that a little later in the thing in the in the thing about how he likes the lightweight and the agile feel of it. Um, and, and even compared to like a 302 stroke that the 350, it has really good torque when you roll it on, it, it doesn't pick up like the 300 and it doesn't like, you know, start pulling you and lunging you, you know, you know, you don't feel the pull of it until you get up to like about six, 6,000 RPMs. And we're mostly riding around, you know, four, five, you know, three and a half, four, five, when you're, you know, just rolling it on, coming out of turns. If you want to make the 350 go fast, you need to not let it go down to 4,000 RPMs. You need to keep it around six. And then it starts, you know, it starts responding. It's fast. And you've got from 6,000 to 12,000 RPMs, maybe more, to to let you do your work. Well, it depends on whether it's a, if it's an EXC, then it's a little bit corked up. Maybe it doesn't rev out that far, but I don't know too many off-road dual sport riders that are riding in the 9,000 plus RPM range very often. Oh, they'll tell you they are, you know, that one time they were doing the hill climb, which is every time they're (laughs) riding the bike. But, um, yeah, so, so you're, you're never going to get that level of thing. And if you're, if you're changing the gearing, you're, you're making the gear ratios closer together. So you're, you you essentially, you might have, you know, you could ride in third gear where you would ordinarily ride in second gear, or you want that much more punch out of second gear. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, gearing when you start, you know, tightening it up, it closens up the gear ratio. So 
At that point, you maybe you can ride in both third and fourth, where before maybe you could only ride in third, and you'd have to really make sure you revved it before you rev, you know, hit it into, into fourth. Now it doesn't make that big of a difference between the, the gear switches. Does that, does that work for you? Does it answer the question a little bit? Okay, where are we going next? What's the, what, does he, what does he ask after that? I think I've answered that first part. Being in Austria, mines completely desmogged, FMF 4.1, and ECU remapped by Rexit fuel torqued, Queensland. So- oh, he's, done, he's done a bunch of stuff to it. So now we're talking about a bike that may have been modified into mediocrity. Because, I mean, I've never ridden with all that stuff, and it might be the best setup ever, or you just don't. You know, you just don't know. And and a lot of people say, well, you know, I desmogged it. Like the quote desmogging of a motorcycle, that it, I, I always think that I'm referring to the emissions thing. I've got to call Chris Real real soon, <laughs> by the way, so we can learn about like why the coronavirus is going to kill your motorcycle too. Um, you know, when you desmog it, you're taking off this stuff that like makes the exhaust pop and stuff. It doesn't really affect the power when you de-emissions it. Or you know, well, they're both they're both the emissions. That, well, actually, I don't know what I don't know what I'm talking about. It's like you're 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 monkeying around with some some of the stuff, some of the evaporative stuff, um, some of the stuff that goes on past the exhaust valve, as far as the you know air injection system that has no bearing or effect on power. And then when you start hooking these different ECUs up to it, who knows you know what they what exactly they're they're doing, and and how it how it works. And I'm always kind of curious when somebody says, I did it because I wanted more power. You know what my answer to that one always is, Logan, right? What's the answer? What, if you're riding along and you're riding and your bike doesn't have power, what's the easiest thing you can do right now for free that works every single time? Twist okay. it. Twist it. Now, I was glad you said that because we're on a, we're on a, we're on a podcast where yeah. people are listening and you're sitting here doing this. What's wrong with what I'm doing right now? People can't hear it. Right, and it's the wrong wrist. <laughs> that was that's trying to twist the grip off the clutch, which is like a lot of people try to do too, because because they actually finally twist the right one and they start falling off the back, and then they, then their wrist goes like this too, and then they're hanging off the back of the motorcycle. I was doing visual references there, and you you, you couldn't hear me. So, yeah. Okay. Um, is he, does he go any deeper into this? Okay, so he modified the crap out of his bike. It's super awesome. And then what? And then, but he had to change the gearing to get the power. Sometimes I'm tempted to get another 450 for an extra, extra horsepower, but it comes at a high price. For anybody that doesn't know the 450 and 500 ride, eight tenths kilo heavier due to the fact of the larger capacity. Rotating mass in regards to the bigger fuel tank option, I don't think the 350 needs it. I'm getting 130 Ks. Okay, um, should we start speaking German on this show, Logan? <laughs> Speak, speaking the Deutsch, yeah, so we can work on the kilos and and the yeah, the, the kilograms and the kilometers. <laughs> I'm stoked that we get guys, you know, watching our videos and reading it from all over the world. That's, that's, that's awesome that we have that much of a, that much of a reach, but, um, you, you know, you have to call up your calculator now you have to run calculator all the time. And then every time somebody does kilos, when I hand you that sheet, you have to convert it. So I think the kilos is 1.6 
and the uh, and the uh, miles per hour or is it one point six of the miles per hour? To, are they all one point six? I don't know. You know, you know, Logan. When I was a kid, when I was your age, they told us we were going to switch to the metric metric system, and I wish they would have because I like metric bolts. It's like ten, twelve, thirteen, four. It's easy. Like, what's a five sixteenths? <laughs> That's a three quarter. But uh, yeah, but we kind of switched on some stuff, you know. But uh, other things were still. Um, it's it's so easy, you know. Like divide by ten. I can I can handle that. When we start, like you know, sixty, we uh, sixty miles, sixty minutes in an hour. Sixty doesn't. I get confused. So pay attention in school, Logan, and especially in this homeschool that you're doing right now. Uh, it's a good good. Good times. I'm going to give Chris Real a call. Why don't you start rattling off the next question? Are you doing math or are you texting your girlfriend? Math. Okay, good. <laughs> CRF 250 rally. Uh, Enrico. Yeah. Uh, sometime someone knows if it's possible to put a CRF 450L engine in that bike. You want to do what? What does he want to do? Put a, a 450, 450 motor? You know, anything is possible. Enrico? Yeah. Why, why are you wasting your time with a CR450L motor? Why? You can find Jixer 11 million motors all day long. Actually, you know what's even better? Cummings diesel, right? <laughs> like, just look, you can fit anything you want in there. I've got a Cadillac in the yard that used to run pretty well. It idled nice, and then it backfired, and it caught on fire, allegedly. Right, Gabe? And you could put that. <laughs> Just buy a 450. Or if you want to make your 450 smaller, I mean, you can literally do, You, if you really want to go through the work to do that, I think what he's really, what do you think he's really asking? What's the root of the question there, Logan? What What is he, what, what is he wanting? To change the bike. He wants change it from he wants a, he wants a Sierra 450L rally, doesn't yes. he? Yeah, I I I think that's he should just say that. <laughs> I know he wants to make one, but he'd much rather have Honda make one or have access to one. And I I think that'd be a great bike. I mean, their 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 450L is a really nice bike. It's good as what it's doing. If it was as performance oriented as the Sierra 450L is, and it looked like a rally bike, I think. People would be really happy with that that package. I think that'd be a really good, really good thing. I'm trying to find Chris Real's phone number here. He, um, he texted it to me, and then I, I I have two numbers. And uh, let me try to find the right email. You keep reading questions there. Okay, Alan Alan says, "Why do you say the spirit of the XR400 is that bike?" I know. The XR four hundred. Well, he's talking about um, Berm Cannon's video uh, about the uh, Berm Cannon's video about the uh, the CRF two fifty L. I think I've got Chris Real. If I have him on the line, I think he picked up. So I, I'm not going to bring him in just yet. Hey, Chris, you there, Chris? I'm I'm here. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna here. shut I'm gonna shut you down. Try to answer this question while I still have my own attention span, and then we'll get right to you. So, the uh, it, it, the spirit of the XR400 was just a very easy to ride, friendly, super durable, 
this is a bike, the XR400, you know, you you missed my whole XR400 phase. You know how I talk about the Husaberg all the time? Yeah. So I used to talk about the XR400 in the same way, but like way different because it did not have very good power and it didn't handle very good. And it kind of was old and, and you had to kickstart the damn thing. And there was really nothing good about it except it did everything in a very mediocre level and you could ride it off a cliff and then pick it back up and you could ride it and it'd be just the same as the bars, bars didn't get bent. It, it, it didn't, you didn't have to work on it. Just put an MT 60, MT 43. What? I don't remember the tire we used to run this. There's a Pirelli, the MT, MT 60. No, I think it was MT 43. We used to put those on there and just ride them till thousands of miles. And then, yeah, so that's the way I talked about an XR400. The CRF250L is is that kind of same bike. It's not really good, you know, and we're talking about the L, not the Rally. I think it's just a, a great bike at doing, you know, putt-putting around and doing good stuff. And if you want to know about another bike that might be kind of in that same category, check dirtbiketest.com tomorrow um, morning. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast six months from now, check dirtbiketest.com <laughs> in the morning and it'll still be up there and you'll be late to the party, but uh, you'll see how good we are at testing motorcycles. Uh, so I think that's a good answer. And I'm going to bring Chris back on to the show. Chris real. How you doing? Doing good, Jimmy. Thanks for, yourself? thanks for calling in. I'm surviving. Um, Luckily, in our state, we're allowed to get out, and uh, we're still not, like, locked down on home. We're kind of just supposed to distance. That's why I keep Logan uh, away from me, and because uh, he might have a super spreader girlfriend that we don't know about. I hope he does. <laughs> yeah, he, I see he's constantly over there texting somebody. She's she's got she's got him on the on the back burner. I need that question sheet that's underneath the thing there. Did you read that whole thing, Logan? Read the first page. The first? Mostly. There's a lot of notes on here. Yeah. So why I have Chris on here is because he texted me. He said, hey, you know, the coronavirus is uh, a concerning thing for a lot of different things, but how is it going to affect your motorcycle? Uh, Chris is a very well-respected uh, figure in the motorcycle uh, product testing industry. He does... DPS technical and he does research and test methods um, with fuel challenges, sounds, uh, lubricants, all kinds of, you know, that stuff where every once in a while, Jimmy needs an expert to come in and say, shut up, Jimmy, I'm going to start talking. So Chris, uh, tell us what's important about the fuel. Okay. Well, um, first of all, you know, it's uh, the, the fuel challenge that, that I'm anticipating. It's, it's a challenge. It's not really a problem. It's not going to make your actual nut fall off or, or, or anything like that. But when the fuel consumption of the nation and particularly the states where there's a lot of people and they're environmentally sensitive, you know, and we have our winter gas, what has happened is they, they made everybody kind of slow down on their consumption. And that is going to give us a glut of uh, high vapor pressure, low boiling point uh, gasoline for our summer this year. So, and so essentially, it's winter blend fuel that is going to not get used up now, sitting around in the underground tanks at all your favorite gas stations. And then it's going to start ending up in our 
in our motorcycle fuel tanks uh, during the warmer summer months. Correct. And tell us why that's bad. Well, number one, it's not just the the fuel that's sitting in the at at your local gas station. Uh, There's probably millions of gallons of it at the refinery level uh, that's going to find its way to your local gas station. Oh, well, if if I would ride my Husaberg 570 a lot more, which burns a ton of fuel when I'm taped it in like fourth or fifth gear in a sand wash, that that, that wouldn't be much of a problem, right? Nope. Nope. (laughs) No. where, Where it's a problem is when that, you know, that Husaberg gets a little bit low on fuel and you start doing a, you know, a Jimmy ride where it's, it's, you know, you really get the motor hot. What's going to happen is that low boiling point fuel um, can boil in your fuel tank, and then you get get a frowny face. Especially, I'm not not kidding. Especially on that bike, because that bike is it like that. That fuel tank is everywhere from you know where the air filter is, which is where the gas tank used to be, and it's all like nestled around this exhaust pipe that has a hard time being routed around the entire chassis to get out the back. And the subframe is a gas tank. So yeah, I, I've I've boiled plenty of fuel on that bike. <laughs> well, the fuel that we're going to you know that that we have right now, uh, and and is probably going to go for the next I don't know two or three months for sure, um, has a you know uh, a fairly low boiling point that uh, can cause us some some grief um, just because of the uh, the vapor pressure being relatively high, meaning it expands. Um, and so if we start getting warm days, you know, above 80 degrees, 90 degrees, um, I, I fully anticipate some, some boiling of the, of the fuel in the, uh, you know, in the system. So, so so you say at like a, at a surface temperature of 90 degrees, for instance, that that could actually cause the fuel to boil. uh, A portion of the fuel is going to, we call that the initial boiling point. A portion of the fuel is going to start to form a bubble. Okay, and and then it and, and then it kind of keeps going, <laughs> and it kind of keeps going, and and it's not such a big deal if you got a half a tank of gas, but it's it can be a very big deal if you've got a uh, quarter tank of gas because the the accumulated heat starts becoming a uh, a problem with the minimal quantity of, of fuel that you've got. It, it it essentially heats the fuel quicker, and there's no place for it to dissipate, so we just have a boiling fuel. You have boiling fuel, and and your fuel pump uh, doesn't like to, to to push bubbling fuel, and your carburetor uh, certainly doesn't like to uh, push bubbling fuel, and uh, so you're going to get a, a lean condition. So yes. Just you know, there, there's you know, it's not the end of the world. Of course, it's just something that I expect you know some guys to have some challenges with, and there are some workable solutions. Uh, to, to this challenge. And, and, uh, the biggest thing is, you know, probably trying to keep certain parts of your fuel tank a little bit cooler. So you don't have so much radiant heat going from the engine or the exhaust pipe into the fuel. Cool. And this is, this is kind of cool. Cause you did send me a list of stuff, which I'm going to, I'm going to read off in a second on ways that things like myths that, you know, you can stuff, you can change about this and stuff you can't. Uh, but a couple of side notes. So I just want to kind of point out, we should probably put a timestamp on this right now. It's like, Hey, I'm telling you that. So when you're out riding and we get the email in like, you know, in July, 
It's like, hey, I was riding my motorcycle, which you may have got gas in, you know, May, uh, and it's still the same gas that was in a plastic can sitting in your garage, and you poured it in your bike, and all of a sudden my bike started hiccuping and stalling. Do I need to get a new ECU and desmog my motorcycle? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you were down to a quarter tank, and your fuel had a low boiling point, and uh, and it started doing some funny stuff. Yeah, it's it's the fuel boiling. So just, you know, in, I'm going to, I'm going to refer back to this episode, Gabe, you know, make a, make a point of this when we get that call or that question, like I was riding my bike and all of a sudden it started to run like crap. And I stopped and two hours later, it started to ride up and ran perfect for another 20 minutes. And then it did it again. You think I'm going to get that question, Chris? Oh, the shadow <laughs> of a doubt. All right. So, so you say, and, and you, you brought this up that, you know, putting some sort of, uh, uh, you know, heat barrier like that, you know, like, like that nice gold or silver um, insulation layer on the bottom of the tank can definitely help. True. Uh, what about putting additives in the fuel? Uh, no, it, it, you know, it, it's not, uh, an additive isn't really going to change the, the condition that we're going to experience. You know, it's, um, you know, the initial boiling point, you know, uh, very volatile, you know, uh, constituents in the fuel. It's sort of like kindling on the on the campfire. Once you put a lot of kindling on the campfire, you are kind of stuck with it until it burns. <laughs> that's a that's a good analogy. Um, so, is octane the only specification in fuel that is important in gasoline? Because everybody's all worried about the octane number. Oh no, uh, octane! You know, octane is is resistance to knock. And that's that's fine for high compression, and it gives you an idea of 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 the uh, you know the anti knock quality. But there's a whole lot of other specifications that make a a tremendous difference um, on on how an engine runs. And you know when you're tuning for a condition, whether you want peak horsepower, or you want more torque, octane is one of the things personally that I. I'm aware of, but I'm not overly uh, overly concerned with you know unless my compression ratio is very high or my I've done something unique with uh, the ignition timing or fuel trim. Yeah, but and, um, and and you as well as I know that that when a manufacturer releases a, a stock motorcycle, it's probably been run on like 91 octane pump gas, and that's how it was typically tuned. Absolutely. And, and it's, you know, the, the, the manufacturers will, you know, they'll uh, do two, two methods of testing or actually three, they'll use certification fuel when we're looking at, at tr making sure we can get through the emissions uh, duty cycle and all that. But then uh, we, we look, you know, regionally, whether it be, you know, uh, Australia or Brazil or United States at what fuel is going to be used for that vehicle, uh, you know, probably by the masses, and then the so the jetting and timing gets adjusted to to match the fuel. And so most of the, you know, most of the time it's around ninety to ninety one um, fuel that we're you know targeting because that's that's a good uh, it's available number one. And it you know if you have a little bit lower fuel octane, well you might be okay, and a little higher you might be a little bit better, but but by and large, the the vehicles are are mapped and tuned around the available fuel. 
Yeah. So, so Logan the other day was telling his dad that he only wants to run a hundred octane low lead in, in his bike. And he said that they had to go to the airport to go buy some. Is that a, is that a good, is that a good thing? You did that right, Logan? Sure. Well, yeah, you, sure. You, you, know, Logan, you, know, you know, Logan and I are in the same shirt tonight. Um, oh but, yeah. The dirt bike test t-shirt, which you can uh, purchase at our dirt bike test store. Um, that, that means that the janitor, which is me, has to go over to the, 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 the closet over there and pull out the shirt and put it in a bag. And the guy who did order the shirt last week, I'm working on it. I'm waiting for that second order to come in so I can ship some of these things out. So, uh, that is a, that is a cool shirt. So, uh, where were we at before I started insulting people without a real good reason? A <laughs> hundred octane low lead. Cause we had that question last week and I think I, did I rail on the guy? A little yeah. bit. <laughs> with reason, with good reason? Uh, you, know, you can you can tune for any fuel. You know, 100 octane low lead av gas is a, you know, is a pretty slow burning fuel. Gives a lot of torque. Um, doesn't have a very high vapor pressure, so it might be a little hard starting. But if you tune for it, you're okay. Um, if you've got sensors that are downstream, um, you know, it still has, it does have lead. So, you know, you can have some, some challenges. I, I think last week the guy was a, a two smoker guy. So you'd have less challenges than a four smoker guy, but you know, uh, if you, you can tune for just about any fuel. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is you have to, you, if you're going to, I'm just going to switch to this fuel. That's quite a bit different than what is the bike was designed to run on. You're going to have to, uh, you're gonna have to. I think I think I said that, but I think I was more picking on Mojave Bob, who that used to be his favorite uh, fuel, and I think I still have a drum of you know a small 15 gallon drum of that up at my uh, cabin up in the mountains in case he ever rode up there. He wanted to make sure he had some of that in storage. And by the way, that's probably the biggest advantage of that fuel. Yeah, is storage quality. Oh, absolutely. That fuel's not gonna go bad in your lifetime. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I'll, I'll I'll use it in the quad <laughs> when I'm up there. Uh, so, um, the conditions you say the, the, basically the, the best way to make your fuel boil is to have less fuel in the tank. That's a true statement. Yeah. Cause we're just talking about heating stuff up and, uh, when you store your bike, should you, you know, should you fill the tank all the way up? I'm not a fan of that, particularly with some of the, you know, the materials that the fuel tanks are, are made out of some of the, some of the fuels these days don't get along with the, um, you know, the lightweight uh, tank materials. And so, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're seeing the ethanol in particular have a, an adverse effect and, you know, the, the tanks deform, you know, and in the, in the old days, we just, you know, complained about the, our graphics flying off the sides of the, the, the gas tanks because of permeation. But in reality, you know, for, you know, with the, the, the expansion rate of some of these fuels, you fill your tank all the way up and it's cold and you have a nice warm prompt day, uh, the t- fuel is going to swell up and it's going to push out. But, probably but so, so I was going to talk about this. So that's if you do not, that's because most of the tanks have you know, where, where, where it leaves, there's a one-way valve. So in other words, the pressure really can't escape out of the gas tank unless it's quote sucked on. Yes. So, so in other words, you need to, you know, if your EVAP system is all intact, like it's supposed to be, 
you're, you, if you turn, if you lay your bike over on the side, there's like literally a, a, you know, there's a one-way valve so the gas can't spill out of the tank. So in other words, when you, if you get enough pressure, it closes that one-way valve and then, and then, and then pressure, it's almost like a balloon. Yes. Yes. And, and many of the tanks, you know, many of the one-way valves do have a, have a bypass feature in it. So, so it, you can't get it, you know, hot enough to explode. Blow up. You, yeah. Usually, but, um, you know, when you start pressurizing a tank to 10 or 15 PSI, um, it takes on a different shape. It will takes on a different shape. And, you know, I've personally had, uh, tanks, uh, where it's that extra pressure has pushed the, uh, O-ring out of the, uh, the seal at the, at the base where the fuel pump is. Wow. And, um, and that really stinks up your toy hauler. <laughs> yeah, so if if you're going to park your bike maybe for the summer or you know which is probably, you know, in the case of the you know the warmer climates and stuff like that and you were going to store some gas in your tank, uh would you drain it? Would you what would you do? Half, quarter? I I, I usually leave about a quarter of a tank of fuel in my bike and 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 I usually, you know, when I know I'm going to have a uh you know, a, a current technology bike. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll usually give them a shot of a, you know, you know, a little bit of two stroke. oil. I'll always have some of that around. Um, I like the Chevron Tecron as everybody knows. I was going to, I was going to say, those are the two things that I do. I I've kind of, I've shied away a little bit more from the two stroke oil and started really reliant. We had a really good season last year of storing bikes, uh, with the Tecron, that power sport stuff and had a, I mean, all of our bikes started up this year. Yeah, Logan. Yeah, that's 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 one of Logan's jobs. He gets to start the bikes up <laughs> and, and it can be tricky after they've sat in a hot container. We try to start them up like, you know, once a month, once every two months to just kind of get some flow going through there. But I think that's good, 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 valuable advice. But if you're going to take your bike out with that kind of gas in it, um, ideally, you would probably want to store it with if you can get your hands on some ethanol free fuel. Correct. If you can, if you know that it is truly ethanol free. And you trust your supplier, and it's a good day. <laughs> yeah, if, I, I saw you did have a note about like, can you trust gas? Is it a hundred percent consistent, or you know, it, 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 I always wonder. You know, I go to this tank, and like, there's one nozzle coming out in three different grades, and so when I push ninety one, how long does it take for it actually be ninety one coming out? And when I stop it, does the guy that pulls up next to you, it buys eighty seven, get a quarter gallon of ninety one? Yeah, and, and and I'm not a real trusting individual on that, but I'm also <laughs> any anymore. I'm not, you know. I mean, uh, I I don't have that many fuel related problems, so you know, I can you know I I can take a little, you know, you know a little bit of variance, but but you know, your bike will run better on fresher, better fuel, and uh, you know the point of my, you know my 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 virus email to you is just just a little heads up for the guys that you know if your bike starts getting hot and running weird um it's not the ecu it's probably the the boiling fuel and and we'll get through this and um you know no wait gonna... wait but should i take the reeds out of it absolutely absolutely what if it's a two-stroke oh you take those out too okay you know? good yeah because i i like that <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always like those ones. Well, there's, 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 you know, my Husaberg doesn't have any reeds in it, and that thing hauls ass. Yes, I mean, doesn't your Husaberg have it have the reeds down in the engine compartment? 
Um, does it have a reed valve in there? In in there to to do any oiling? I don't. You know, I should know because I did take that thing all the way apart, but I don't remember. I don't, I don't think yours does. It was the Vertimatis that had the reed. Oh valve. well, yeah. Remember that was that was the trick that Husky did when they made that you know the then revolutionary new light four stroke motors. They took all the oil pumps out and they used the the downstroke of the piston to 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 through a reed valve to pump the oil that had had evacuated down into the crankcase out of the crankcase. So it was essentially like a it's like a dry sump using a using a reed valve. Yeah, what, a little little one way valve. Yeah, and it worked great until you got a little piece of stuff that holds a reed open. And well, I I I heard last week that reed valves are now just coming apart inside the intake tracks and causing every single bike with a reed valve to blow up instantly. Um, yeah, well, at least like you know one bike did it, and then there was a picture on the internets, and then all of a sudden every single bike did it. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, Chris, we got to get you back in here sometime. Uh, uh, to to well, you know, it's kind of funny because I used to get oil questions, you know, every week, quite a few, and I had you on here. We did the oil. We talked about all the oil, which is episode. Gabe's going to tell us what episode it is within the next thirty seconds as he's shaking his head and going, "Is this my job?" And it's like, uh huh. So Chris was in for actually. Actually, you can search Tech Talk Taco Tuesday and Chris Real. R-E-A-L, and I'm sure you'll find his episode. 33, 33 episode 33, and you will learn a lot about oil. And all of a sudden, the oil question stopped. And, and I mean, oh, we had the Rotella jokers for the next, like, month or two, but they, they all faded out because they realized that we said that the best thing to have in your bike as far as oil goes is what? Oil? Uh, Logan. That's the exact perfect answer. Oil. You have oil in your motorcycle. That's the best oil to have in there is just make sure there's oil in it, right? It eliminates the, probably 99% of the problems that you'll experience with oil. Would you agree with that, Chris? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> it, but I do need to come up and, and see. I want to do a little experiment. I'm going to um, I'm going to take a can of orange paint, and I'm going to mark all the burn spots on Interstate 15 between Baker and, and state line. And uh, <laughs> because this fuel, you, know, you you think this motorcycle guys whine and have problems. I mean, our bikes run crappy and they vapor lock and then we, they cool down, we go again. You know, when, when this has an issue with some of the, the cars, they, uh, the pressure buildup ruptures, a few, can rupture a fuel line. And then we have a, a crispy critter on the road. So I'm going to, wow. I'm going <laughs> to, do a survey on on on, on the uh, late use of uh, winter blend gasoline. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and 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 it's it's going to be the the 1980s motorhome and the poor guy that's going to Vegas to you know. You know. Oh wow! <laughs> that early. <laughs> hey, Gabe, you know what Chris is talking about on the phone right now? Because they can't hear you here live in the studio. He's talking about how like you know certain like different fuels and stuff cause cars to light on fire. <laughs> in Gabe's case, it was a fuel pump that wouldn't shut off <laughs> in, into a fuel injection system with some leaky hoses and some other things. And hey, uh, well, hey, thanks a lot for coming on, Chris. I super appreciate uh, always, you know, kind of keeping me in line. You know, good solid advice and advice to our viewers. And uh, come on in July, and we'll <laughs> we'll answer those those questions of all the guys. Like I was riding my dirt bike, I was doing a couple hill climbs, and. Uh, 
you know, I, I took the reeds out and I clocked the ECU and I put this tire on and I geared it at this level. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, it just kind of cut out on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, don't – we'll just say go back to episode number 55 and we'll uh, tell you the, 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 the crystal ball came out and we fixed it. Yeah. Well, guys, have you know, have fun. You know, get let's get let's get through you know the six pack of Corona. We're gonna go. We're gonna have some epic motorcycles to ride. The trails are good, you know. Um, and uh, we'll we'll see you down the trail. Okay, thanks, thanks again, and and as if thanks a lot, Chris. And if you aren't familiar with you know how we do this show, a lot of times we are on Facebook Live every Tuesday night. This is when we do the show. Chris is very active in our chat room, and he will literally uh, answer your questions or you know point out that jimmy's full of shit and he doesn't know what he's talking about so on to that with that uh, logan ha- ask me another question last one well it's the last question yeah wow i got through all those uh, tech talk taco tuesday number 53 right p gnard mm-hmm. 26 yes wet dirt is the best up here in Reno, we got overnight snow instead of rain. Show, yes, a little more order, a little more format. Start small. L- last show was more polished than some in the past. I enjoyed the last show a lot. Special guest, start with your wife, Heather, then Gabe from Torture Test. Oh, oh, wait, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Now Heather Heather absolutely refuses to come on the show. You know what I should do? I should call her right now. You want you want, you want to get Heather live on the show? I'll just call her. I'll just cold call. <laughs> she, no, I. <laughs> she's she's got me on quarantine already. So go ahead, keep going. Um, I, I would like to get Gabe on torture test on here. He's just he's busy. He's got he's got multiple jobs and he's a busy dude. And he he's a. Uh, he, we, we've been communicating. I thanked him for the, the KTM, uh, I heart KTM tears. And I keep saying, hey, Gabe, I've got brand new KTMs you can ride. And he's like, no, stop it. <laughs> so. I'm sure there is there are a lot of more people in the industry that are not well known but have a lot to bring to your audience. I have a 18, 2018 rally. One of the reasons I went that direction is switchable ab, ABS. I commute to work almost every day and ride dirt several times a week. I ride the most aggressive DOT knobbies I can get in. I can get. In a twenty-one eighteen combo, have the ABS on during pavement rides inspires confidence. Having the ABS off in the dirt on great tires also inspires conf- confidence. Go with ABS because you can always pull the fuse or wire up a kill switch. And thank you, Gabe, for the great view review thank you for not tilting the review brutally honest and just did a plain old review on how you feel which is plain honest not brutal 
You know, I didn't interrupt you, Logan. I, I, I it, that brought a tear to my eye. Did you hear that, Gabe? No, you didn't hear that. That guy, that guy just said, "Thank you, Gabe, for giving us a brutally honest review of this CRF 250L rally." That's like that's a good com- that's a good compliment. So no, thanks thanks a lot. Um, what was the P P P P R Gerard P P Gennard P Gennard? Yeah, everybody has an an, an, an yeah. Um, and, and and so he's talking about you know the the CRF 250L having um, ABS switchable on and off ABS, and he says. Hey, when he puts the knobbies on, he actually relies on the APS to make him feel comfortable on the street. Because yes, knobbies will skid a little bit easier on the street, and that helps him out. And that's that's really cool. On a note on that, though, in all honesty, when you have a, a, a bike, and we like Chris and I were just talking about having a motorcycle that's tuned to run on pump gas, ABS is a pretty uh, it's a it's a highly tuned system on especially on the modern bikes, and when you switch the tires, the ABS actually may not be quote tuned for those tires, because you know they they do all these tests and there's a certain amount of grip and that's what determines how the ABS and stuff works. So when you do switch your tires, if you have a bike that has ABS, make sure you're careful with it because on the street for sure the the, the knobby tires will not have the same level of grip, so maybe it might react a little bit different. But on the dirt as well, all of a sudden they have more grip, and the ABS, especially the standard ABS, will have kind of a different feel. All of a sudden you notice that the ABS is kicking in a lot sooner because the tires kind of grab. But then at the same time, you have off-road ABS that lets you skid your rear wheel. And at that point, you, you know, the, the, the ABS sensor is using G-forces on the more modern ones. And all of a sudden, you can get a lot more G-forces with a knobby tire off-road, you know, when you're braking in a nice straight line, like you're supposed to, than a, a round tire that would kind of skid. You know, you can't get that level of G-force. That ABS kind of kicks in a little bit sooner when you have a knobby tire on the on the bike. So something to be aware of. And then on a video that we're going to release tomorrow morning, we talk about on a certain bike, we actually... Uh, found a nice way to disable, you know, traction control and ABS. We pulled a rear wheel sensor from a bike because we wanted to see how it worked. We wanted, we didn't want any of the electronic aids to come in and did it screw up the bike. And we did that so we could play around and say, hey, how good is this ABS compared to not having it at all? So at Dirt Bike Test, that's what we do. We test bikes and we see how things work and stuff like that. So uh, you'll have to uh, check out that uh, particular video and test tomorrow morning I, i'm gonna have to stay up late and write a test tonight aren't i maybe where's mojave bob where's he because i i used to i used to let him sit in when we would record the videos and stuff and he can take that and he can he can um uh take words out of my mouth and put them onto keyboards and stuff like that so do you see any good questions float across the screen logan oh uh wade wade Way earlier. Way earlier. Uh, Matt said, is the shock bolt important? <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt, yes, the shock, because I think Matt used to forget to tighten them up and they'd fall out. And then, yeah, it's, it's at that point, it's critically important. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a good thing. Um, Victor asked me, have you ever ridden a Kawasaki DRL? And if you did, what was your impression? Well, I think you mean, KLR, right? <laughs> DRL? Is that the moonshine getting you again, Victor? Didn't we talk about this last week? 
Did we talk about Moonshine and Victor last week? Um, never ever is what um, somebody else said to him or something. Uh, uh, Dirt Bike Mike, um, he's replying to George. The TE300i issue that we had talked about last week, that was um, Dirt Bike Mike on our on our chat room, but uh, I used to have his name on the thing. He had the Husky that had the uh, look like detonation on the 300 TPI, and we do not have an update on you, but thanks for asking, George. Uh, I did he, – he, luckily, he did um, send us an email back and said, hey, no update. My dealer hasn't got to it. So, um, man, I wish – I wish your dealer would get to it because I'm interested to see what it is and uh, would like to like to learn about that. Um, any other uh, any other good ones you saw in there? Uh, Danny Lorenz, my Husaberg loved to boil fuel. So does mine, actually. Because <laughs> when you're making that much horsepower, you know what comes with horsepower, Logan? Heat. Heat. Yeah. Yep, and that the like I said that that gas tank really wraps around that motor and all that stuff like that. Uh, let's see, people are chit chatting about some different things there. Um, everybody's thanking Chris for some really good uh, information. Kip Boosie says, "Great job on blah blah crying." Getting my new to me 500 EXC this weekend, based on Jimmy's advice. So, uh, uh oh, I think I got a call here. <laughs> oh, uh, I think you, you need to rip the reeds out and, um, uh, make it work, uh, you know, like you're supposed to, cause there's no way I would ride a stock 500 cause it just doesn't have enough power. Right. Logan. Okay. Heather, you're, you, you've, you've called into the show. You're live on tech talk taco Tuesday. I note this. I didn't call you. You called me. I know. George told me to call. I don't know why. You don't know why? No, I wasn't watching. Sorry. You were you were recommended as a as a as a guest on Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. That there was that the first they said the first person I should have on the show yeah. would be you. Really? Yeah. So don't be like George and have your um have your you know mixed drink and with the ice in it and don't be shaking the cup. I just started to make yeah. dinner. Yeah, that's good. Al said. I just got home from work. I know. Al said hi. Because yeah, Al wants a hug, but you know, he's he's not abiding by the he's not abiding by the coronavirus guidelines. Um, yeah, no, uh, uh, Heather has an essential job where she's she's a smart person that works uh, doing important things, and that's why I can do dumb dumb things and ride dirt bikes and talk about motorcycles all the time, right, honey? Yeah, there's no dumb dumb things on your side. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks. Just propping me up. Uh, I guess we should, while, while you're on the line here, while you're making dinner, let's, uh, what's, what's the number one question we want to ask, uh, Heather on the, on the show here, because it's going to take him a second to respond. Cause there's a little bit of a delay, but it'll come through it's the rare that I'm on. Well, you've never been on like I've last, been on, yeah. like last week or the week before I remember which was, you were sitting here and you were like hiding because you knew I was going to do this to you, but. <laughs> but George tricked you and made you call into the show. You thought you were just going to call and check up and see how I was doing. It is 821. I should be done with this. You're done with the show. Yeah. yeah. 30 minutes into it or 20 minutes into it. Yeah. Further than you usually do, right? Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, okay. the, Jeffrey says, I don't know if I can help you. I'm thinking of a Honda Sierra 450L as my next bike. What, do you think it would be a noticeable upgrade over my current plated WR450? I really don't have any issues with the WR, just thinking of something new. I would say 95% of my riding is in the desert. What says Heather? I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, that, WR. I don't know the characteristics. I know the 450L. I didn't like. I don't know if that's the bike that I didn't like the stalling where the clutch is set up a little bit funky. Yes, that is so that is the bike. Okay, so I don't like that characteristic of that Honda. And but but I was making you ride like super technical trails on it. Yeah. And but he's I he's do, he's riding out in the desert. I do always love the characteristic of a. So is the Yamaha the one that I rode in Baja? The uh, yeah, I think so. I rode two. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I we did, took we had you yeah. had the WR and the FX down there. That's right. You did ride those so I two rode bikes. The WR was better characteristic than the, the FX was very pipey. Like you had to be on the gas all the time. Yep. And the WR was a lot more. You can ride it more mellow. I always like to lug bike. Yes. Um, I don't like to be have a bike screaming. I am an emotional rider, so I think an emotional <laughs> rider. I like yeah, that. Yeah. So the noise of the bike makes a difference for me, but that's just the heatherism. Mm-hmm. Um. So I like the characteristic of the Honda versus the Yamaha, honestly, better than the the Yamaha. Wait, you like the Honda better than the Yamaha? Yeah. Yeah. But you don't like. I like how the Hondas how the Hondas can lug. I like how to lug the bike, but then they have the the power off the bottom of the bike. So when you give it gas, you feel that you feel that drive. You're you're just you're just saying this because you're friends with Johnny Campbell. No, I, that's how I feel. Like, that's okay. My <laughs> I think I think so. So I think I think you're right. The the Yamaha is like a. Like, it like pulled I, my arms if, off my, out of my socket. The, whole the Honda? Was riding it mixed. No, the, the Yamaha. Oh, the, the, the FX was. The FX for but sure. But the yeah. W, he's talking about the WR. That was the one that Jen yeah, was riding. Had, yeah, it was good. No, I rode the WR most of the time. Hey, because it, I, it, oh, you, you, you made, you made Jen ride the FX. I made Jen ride the <laughs> Jen was watching the show. Jen was on the show earlier today. So. Yeah, Jen. Jen rips now. So. Yeah. So Jen, well, she always has, so Jen so. Morton, that's uh, it's, uh, Tim Morton's wife. They own Baja Bound Adventures. And if you're ever going to go riding uh, on a tour down in Mexico in, in Baja specifically, and you want to go with one of the funnest uh, groups, check out Baja what? Bound Adventures. Uh, and they will probably, uh, they're real riders. Uh, Tim, yeah. I remember when Tim quit his job at a Cherby's to say, I'm going to start a tour business. And I'm like, you're crazy. How's that going to work? And what's it been like? 25, 25 yeah. years now they're doing also they're, Jen does the Hooters on Scooters ride which is a really fun ride for women who want to ride Mexico and have a good time are you going this year I hope so you hope so you got yeah, a factory ride yeah <laughs> I don't know do I you don't know I don't know are you gonna ride a WR are you gonna ride a CR450L what do you want I think I'll ride the CR450L if I had the choice. That's good. Well, my my media rep at Honda is unfortunately no longer the media rep at Honda, so uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. You know, rebuild some relationships down there. But I know this guy Johnny Campbell. You might know him too. We might be able to get. We might be able to. You know, pull some strings or something like yeah, that. I um. So, uh, uh, Jeffrey, I'm hoping that we answered your question. In and here's here's just like just a blanket answer. If I were riding in the desert, I would favor the CRF over the WR. And when you say CRF L, I would actually look at CRF 450X if you don't need a license plate as about go getting the CRF 450L. But if you need a license plate, the only option in those two bikes is the L. The Yamaha WR does not have a license plate. It's only green sticker. Um, but the, the WR is also corked up, kind of like the Sierra 450L is stock. And then there's ways you can uh, do some tuning on those bikes to get what you want out of it. And then no matter what you say to San Felipe Bob, and no matter what he answers, he's going to 
try to sell you a Yamaha. Yamaha. Yeah, he's he's yep. just gonna be he's gonna be a, a Yamaha guy. I'm gonna scroll down here and see if you got any questions from the from the uh, chat room. Uh, people are liking that you're going on Hooters on scooters. Um, they're happy that you're online. And where's the Victor asked you a question in Spanish, or he was chit chatting on one of his other forms, and he forgot that he came back on a dirt bike <laughs> test. So, um, yeah, he's talking about the mezcal. So, <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, the stuff that I got you for now. I don't know. Oh, the mezcal in Mexico. Yeah, I know there's a, a very special place where you can get really good tequila. Where's that? Mike Sky Ranch. Right. That's well. That's hard to get. Hey, um, uh, uh, Chris Vestal says that um, he uh, he agrees with dirt bike tests and the ABS thoughts with the tire variable. The first ABS on the KTM 70R and the R was the first system that really worked for us. Front was transparent and worked, and the rear can be 100% disabled. Best I've experienced to date. Um, I haven't done a ton of stuff you know, on and off with the 790, but whatever I'm going to talk about tomorrow, maybe KTM 390, we did do a a ton of stuff with, and man, I, I'm not even supposed to, I can't even, I can't give you, I'm actually not even supposed to talk about it. I can't even say like, I get my, I'm blowing an embargo. If I tell you about what I was just going to say, and I had to curb my enthusiasm, right, Logan? Yeah. We have a very informative test that's going to go up there. And, and uh, RJ at Vidmoto has been editing away, getting that video all done. Uh, I think did we're gonna I have make a, the cut? Did you, oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Gabe, you saw Heather on the video, yeah? In the riding sequences on the video? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of them, actually. Heather, I was kind of surprised. So, you, you, yeah, you got you got almost as much as me. It's kind of <laughs> like, I'm going to fire you. Uh, <laughs> so, Victor says hello. And, and, he was, Hi, and when he said DLR, he was talking about the diesel KLR, which, oh. which I'm pretty sure that you do not want to run – 100 octane low lead in it, even though that seems to be the go-to gas for most of us. Right, Logan? No. No. Good. Yeah. I don't want you running that in your whatever bike you ride over here, especially your sister's bike. <laughs> did, 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 did you tell everybody that um, – so, so when me and you and your brother went riding mountain bikes the other day? <laughs> Your your yeah your brother was riding mountain bikes with us and and then and then she got mad when they called her a boy. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but if she can ride like a boy, that's good. Dude, she rides like a boy. I mean, she rides yes. good. And and she's only been on mountain bike for what a few months. That's that's way too tall for her, by the way. But she yeah. she powers through it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was it was good good times. So. Um, uh, yeah, I, Chris, I did mention the 3980V. Uh, that's the video that's going to go up uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, I think somebody else already blew the damn embargo and put photos up and stuff of it. But we've 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 had it for a while. I've been riding it around. That was a super top secret bike. Um, and it's probably not super exciting for a lot of you, you know, uh, you know, hardcore dirt bike guys. But this is a pivotal bike for KTM. I mean, this is it's you know getting that early. Um, adventure rider that the new new rider um, there's not a lot of really capable smaller adventure bikes in the market so we're going to see what we think of that bike tomorrow morning and uh, and then you can kind of make your uh, make your decisions I think uh, Gabe you've ridden it yeah yeah allegedly yeah Logan do you ever ride it uh nope just around this house oh just around the house around the houses so 
Uh, cool. Well, Heather, hey, thanks for calling in. I'll I'll, I'll check in with you uh, a little bit later. Um, glad okay, th- that was nice nice appearance on the show. I'm sure you're going to have your own little segment pretty soon, like Logan. Like <laughs> like H- Logan has Logan's moment of silence, and Heather will say it'll be Hooters on scooters. <laughs> so, okay, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. See you. Bye, everyone. Have a good day. Yeah, I can't believe she called in because usually she like runs when I think she thinks I'm going to put her on the show. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Cycle News teased that bike. Did did they do it online? They are, nobody was supposed to put any information on until the 15th. That was like what I was told. Actually, I didn't sign anything, so I should just drop the test right now, right? Usually you have to sign an agreement, an embargo agreement, and all that stuff, but I'm actually holding my word. You know, my word's worth pretty good. Um, how do Jeff... Provost asks, how do we get more people, kids on dirt bikes? Um, Logan, that's your question. That's for you. How do you get more people, specifically kids, on dirt bikes? Close the schools. Close, close the schools. schools. <laughs> <laughs> yes, close <dear>. schools. <laughs> what, what grades do you get in school? B's. B's. How come you don't get A's? Well, I A's in my um, some classes. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, closed and closed the school. No, <laughs> I didn't really want you to say that answer. <laughs> but you know who gave you that answer? Who who fired that answer over? My dad. Right. He want you know why he wants to close the schools because he wants you around the house doing chores so he doesn't have to. Right? Am I right about that? Cause I, cause oh, he's painting all day. I, 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 well, I noticed when we were talking about the mountain bike ride, it was, you were talking about how Logan prepped this and Logan got this ready and Logan checked my air pressure and Logan's telling me all the stuff he did the bike. I'm like, Logan, look at my bike. and needs a little help too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, good times out here in, uh, in Valley of the dirt people. I think we've, we've answered all the questions on your sheet. Yeah. I've answered all the questions on, on, on my board. As far as I can tell, I'm stoked that um, we were, you know, up to nearly 60 people. Uh, George, sorry, sorry I didn't call in. Um, we're, we're putting you on a quarantine even more so than you already are. Uh, good to see Al out. Al's out and kicking on his 2012 and 2014 KTM 300s. He did come in here today asking, you know, I really want a clean running, super carbureted new bike, but, you know, he's talking about the stock market taking a hit and all this stuff. And I'm like, Al, I got, I got a, Got a you know well the George's three hundred's apart with but you know but there's a Husky three hundred over there same thing and you you know you have some Husky old days right oh yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I told him I said do not ride that motorcycle or you're it you, doesn't matter how broke you are you're gonna figure out a way to want to buy one uh, you know especially when he started saying clean running and I actually want him to ride it because he's so finicky with his jetting he comes over here all the time Jimmy I got this JD jet kit and I got this tune like that and and it, it, it's really good all the way here but it does this one thing in this one little spot what do you think you know so I know he's picky I he'd be a great person to uh, to uh, ride that bike and kind of report back to us on uh, what he what he thinks as a as a KTM 300 connoisseur right Can you get He's got. I just got to get a note from his wife. Well, what? Because you're going to be running down to the dealership right afterwards. 
I, I, I think, you know, I actually, I knew where he'd get it. I know where he'd get a really good deal on a 19 or it was a couple, couple of weeks ago. Um, cause I was thinking about buying one. So, um, but yeah, good to have everybody. Gabe, thanks for uh, putting together all those shows on the, uh, SoundClouds. So you can check out dirt bike test on iTunes. If you're, if you enjoyed what you heard tonight, or if you hate it, a lot of people like to listen to stuff when they hate it and then they can send us hate mail. Um, just attention it to Gabe. I'll, I'll pass it on to him. Just say, send it to Jimmy at dirtbiketest.com and then attention Gabe. I'll make sure he gets it. Um, and thanks to, what was that guy's PR, Pigard Pigard for saying uh, thanks to Gabe. Pigard. Pigard, right? Pigard. And, uh, but yeah, so we're wrapping it up. Um, anything else? Nobody ever, we've done all the business. We lasted an hour and 34 minutes. That's pretty good. One of these days we'll get a sponsor and we'll go to two hours. We'll have real segments. We'll, Logan will stop talking. We'll get him back to silence where he belongs. <laughs> and uh, good times. Hey, thanks everybody for joining in. For uh, everybody here, Jimmy, Logan, dirtbiketest.com. And I got to say thanks to Climb, DDC, and who else? Who else? What's our... What's our taco ddc tech talk taco 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 mike taco moto thanks everybody we'll see you out on the trail trails cheers so that exciting episode of tech talk taco tuesday was brought to you by recluse recluse is a maker of incredible auto clutches and a whole lot more in the clutch department they make street bike clutches they make dirt bike clutches they have clutches for your adventure bike Some of them are auto clutches. They make a lot of replacement parts in the manual clutch, their torque drive system. There's little parts like slave units. There's protection parts. There's the left-hand rear brake, all kinds of stuff for your clutch and transmission, even oil. So if you need to know a little bit more about Recluse, you can always check them out at www.recluse.com. That's spelled R-E-K-L-U-S-E proudly designed and manufactured in Idaho. Remember to support all of the sponsors that support this show, and we will see you in the next episode.